0: I was just hanging on in every way to try to keep purity. Because of my position in the church, because of the amount of time that had passed since I had supposedly came out of those things, even more pressure not to come to the light about it.
1: Hi everyone, this is Brooks Popwell. When a leader's sexual sin is exposed, it's painful both for those affected and also for the person who fell. But even in the midst of such a serious situation, a leader who has sinned still needs to know that God is truly offering hope to them. So for the next two episodes, we're going to have some important conversations. To begin today, we'll talk about how it happens. How does a leader fall into sexual sin? First, Joe Doppi, a graduate of the Pure Life Ministries residential program, tells us his story of serving both as a ministry leader and pastor before finally finding freedom from his sin. And then Steve Gallagher shares his perspective on the challenges that those in ministry face as they deal with temptation. This is Purity for Life. So, since we're talking today about how leaders can get involved in sexual sin, I want to delve a little bit into your story now and ask you to share how you first got involved in ministry before sexual sin was really a big issue for you.
0: I got involved in ministry around the age of 22. I came into the church for really the first time at 21 years old through a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. And through celebrate recovery, I was pretty much mentored and discipled by uh, a few of the leaders within that group at my church and Ministry was just kind of the natural flow of um, being discipled by these men. Uh, I looked up to them and uh, they were you know engaging people they were really involved in people's lives really impacted my own life and I just wanted to do the same thing. Uh, So ministry began for me um, about a year after coming into the church, Um, and it just started through leading small groups within Celebrate Recovery and then began um, uh, continuing on in in the mission field with Celebrate Recovery. We went and taught other places how to um, start the, the program and then how to maintain it, trained leaders how to run groups. Uh, in different countries. Uh so
1: that's kind of how it began for me. Well, I know we have to fast forward a little bit because you continued on in ministry for a while but you found that sexual sin was creeping in and came to dominate your life. Can you explain how that happened?
0: Yes, yeah, so sexual sin was not an initial part of the reasons I went in to celebrate recovery. I went in to celebrate recovery uh for drug and alcohol addiction. Uh, both my wife and I struggled in those areas. And about a year and a half or two years into um, our time, um, my time, my beginning of me being impacted by Christ and um, starting to serve within that ministry, I fell back into some of those sexual habits I had before I came into the church. And so basically, um, I opened the door up to pornography and self gratification. And from that point, um, it became a pretty consistent battle in both of those areas uh, for about another year or so, and then um, it it really, really began to take hold. Um, But in that period also, I separated from that ministry um, and began to just pursue uh what I thought would be a normal life as a Christian not so centered around um trying to be in recovery all the time in recovery i wanted to try to live this um christian life um and but i was very much doing it apart from uh the church in many ways apart from the body apart from those initial mentors that i had
1: yeah so not necessarily in a strange desire of wanting to like move on beyond just focusing on the problems maybe in your life, but you found that kind of opened the door to getting away from God, right? Yeah, very much um,
0: a part of Celebrate Recovery is a consistent living in the light. And as I um, drifted away from those people whom I normally and consistently um, would confess to, normally— would kind of bear those issues and struggles, um, falls, uh, I, I stopped doing that in many ways and also began pursuing many other things, pursuing money, pursuing um, a family even, um, and, and those sorts of things began to uh, identify me, build up pride, do a lot of different things. I, looking back, I can see, but at the time, it, it felt like just trying to pursue life. You know?
1: Okay, so I know down the road a little further, you did decide to again get help. This time with sexual sin, and that took you, you know, back to the church, back to ministry, also eventually in some capacity. But after time had passed, you found yourself back where you had begun, back in sexual sin. Can you describe this next period when that happened?
0: Yeah so I, I had that initial uh falling back into those habits uh a few years into that ministry and then pretty quickly after that uh separated from the ministry um and then probably about a year later my um, fantasy and you know clear adultery in my heart um, acted out physically and i i did uh step out into adultery, um, told my wife about it, and we pretty immediately dove right back into Celebrate Recovery, right back within that accountability system, and also started pursuing Christian counseling. And we were involved with Christian counseling for um, at least a year, and also working through the steps of Celebrate Recovery, doing the inventories and doing the groups and having the mentors and um, in that period I, I really did begin to pursue the Lord again um, probably a period of five or six years had passed and there was no acting out physically in adultery um, but I would go in and out of um, just being completely given over in my heart um, and getting really close to that line, really close to the line, again and again, uh, and never, never coming to my wife about it, never really going back to that accountability and sharing those things. It was always just, uh, "I'll never, I won't do that again. I'm not going to do that again." And uh, I never um, lived in the
1: light like I did early on. Well, you're talking about some things you can see now, looking back were not being resolved. And I know eventually you felt led to come to the Pure Life Ministries residential program, and we really can't, you know, get into maybe everything you learned and what you gleaned from that that helped you really find answers you maybe weren't elsewhere. But if you had to boil it down really briefly, what did God do for you in the program? So I guess the beginning of what God did for me in the program—
0: uh, also has to include what he allowed me to get into to bring me to the program. So he allowed me uh, to, uh, during that six-year period, I I, I started uh, leading a Bible study in a small church. I started um, just, you know, trying to serve the community in, in this little outskirts of Las Vegas where we were living. And... Ultimately they, they ended up asking me to be a pastor of that little church. And I uh pastored there for about a year and a half, close to two years. And during that time there I, I was just hanging on um, in in every way to try to keep purity. Kind of like white knuckling it, in no other yeah, words. Doing doing the Getting really close to that line, crossing it every day in my heart in many ways, but getting really close to that line, even physically, um, still even more pressure not to come to the light about it in many ways at this point.
1: Why was that?
2: Uh,
0: because of my position in the church, because of um, the amount of time that had passed since I had um, supposedly came out of those things. Uh that time period made it very difficult to come to my wife, uh, and um, the consequences that I thought would entail um, me telling her that I was struggling in my heart and, and fantasizing, um, driving in areas of town I shouldn't have been, um, all of those things, uh, the consequences that I had built up in my head um, were were just too much for me to to, to talk about. And God ended up allowing me to get in a prideful place within the church as to where he let me out, and they they asked me to step down for other reasons, um, for a a theological difference I ended up having uh, with uh, the denomination that I was uh, teaching in. And even to the point of, in that place, being willing to split that church and Um, my looking back on it now, I see all these things. Um, but my, my, my pride, my, um, in many ways, um, you know, self-righteousness and spiritual pride, those sorts of things that I had no understanding of at that time were just raging and, um, ultimately ended up getting me asked to step down. And shortly after I was asked to step down, Um, things really just crumbled in on top of me. I um, went out into adultery physically again on my wife um, probably in about three times over six months. And in that period, um, I was hopeless. I was just utterly hopeless. And um, it got very desperate for my wife, as you can imagine as well. Um, And she found Pure Life Ministries through, through the website. And when I had uh, come back into my household after that uh, last time, she told me about it. And I, I was desperate enough to leave them
1: and um, Nevada for nine months. Okay, so coming back then to your time at Pure Life and the lessons you learned, what would you say, you know, the main thing was that you took away? it's very difficult to draw
0: a main thing when i'm looking at um what god did there but there are there there is a main and consistent um thing that he was dealing with me there and that was this understanding of a sort of works-based righteousness there was a um a part of me that thought that in my pursuits of him through his word or me serving the church or me earning money for my family, there are just so many avenues he showed me that I thought that I was earning something from him, thought I had to do something for him. And though I would never say that um, with any sort of... uh, biblical understanding at that point i mean i my i could quote you from the bible why i disagreed with that but the way i was living my life showed that i was trying to earn some sort of relationship with him earn some sort of forgiveness for the things that i was doing um trying to fight my way myself out of the messes i had got myself into so it it's it was really something that was hidden under the surface is is that I really didn't trust God. I trusted me more. And in the pursuits that I was doing, I was trying to kind of climb my way back up out of that hole myself. And it was just a losing battle. And my time at Pure Life began to show me uh, that God is merciful, that he is good, that he is fully capable and desiring to To wipe all of those things clean, and accomplished that through his son, and there was just this huge um, separation between what I knew in my mind and what I knew in my heart. There was just it was just giant, and I had no idea that it was even there. Um, but through uh, my my counselor. Um, And his his patience in many ways, and him continuing to point that out in so many different ways, I began to to see it and see all the ways that I was doing it. I mean, God was just gracious in showing me
1: that. Well, from this new perspective you have now, looking back over some of the things you described, you know, going in and out of ministry and in and out of sin, I'm wondering, why do you think now— as you look back at that, that you kept returning to sexual sin? Was there something or some things that you can point to that were underlying that pattern?
0: I think that there was a consistent self-reliance and there was a consistent um, lack of brokenness over a lot of those areas of my life where I felt a victim to maybe my past or felt a victim maybe to Um, things I had always done for a huge part of my life and that um, this sort of hopelessness that I could never really truly get away from those things that my mind was always going to want that my heart was always going to pursue that Um, and I was sort of just being drugged along by it Um, and 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 in some instance um that is my heart that I do pursue those things but god took away this reality that i was a victim in it that that i um somehow didn't want those things i had fooled myself into thinking that 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 i didn't really want to do that or that i really wasn't um if if it were up to me i wouldn't have you know abandoned my family to pursue pleasure i wouldn't have um, done all those things. But really, um, this just that self-reliance that, that was continuing to come up, um, and he kind of, um, in many ways, took that
1: away from me there. What would you say to someone else who finds themselves where you were at, in ministry, but struggling secretly with sexual sin? I would say that
0: it is never too late to come to the light and that you can trust God with all of it. That it is, it is a good thing <laughs> to just throw everything at his feet and give up trying to do it yourself. Completely surrender that, that lie that you are able or capable or even willing to, to do it by yourself um, and, and go ahead and begin to trust God with it. Um, because that is how it began for me and how it continues for me, is that, that I have to continue to, to rely on him. Um, so I would say um, it, that it's good to lay it all at his feet and stop trying to
1: do it by yourself. Usually, when Christians have a spiritual problem, they can turn to their pastor or another leader. But where do spiritual leaders go themselves when they're struggling, particularly with something as shameful as sexual sin? Over the past 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has helped many people in ministry recover their relationship with God. But just how is it exactly that a leader can fall prey to sexual sin? Well, Steve Gallagher, our founder and president, has many years of experience identifying the unique challenges and temptations that leaders have to face and he lays out clear answers to this question. Pastor Steve, it is always a shock to hear about a leader who has fallen. And, I mean, while we definitely live in a culture that has a lot of temptation, nobody's denying that, it always seems like it's something surprising when this happens. I mean, no one's really expecting it of their leader. So, as we... As we discuss how it could be possible for a leader to fall into sexual sin, is this just something that can basically happen to any Christian, no matter who they are? I guess my answer to that,
2: Brooks, is yes and no. It can happen to any of us, certainly, and especially in the culture we live in today. Um, So yes, in that sense, but no in the sense that if you are really walking with the Lord, you're living a spiritually disciplined lifestyle and you have protections built into your life. There's no reason why any believer should have to
1: fall into sexual sin of any kind. Well, as we get into this, let's, you know, start with the basics of the Christian life because you mentioned the need for a strong life that is reinforced with different protections. Is there any one area you would highlight as something that leaders need to focus on if they're going to avoid falling in sexual sin? The Apostle Paul
2: said, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So whatever it means to walk in the Spirit, that's the key. And I believe that walking in the Spirit primarily happens through a strong devotional life, you know, spending time in the Word of God, spending time in uh, real prayer, meaningful prayer, when you're meeting with God every day, it just has a way of lifting you up spiritually, kind of above the level of carnality and, and the world and so on, and it just empowers you to handle those temptations when they come. I'm not saying that a guy with a strong devotional life is exempt from temptation but I'm just saying that it will keep you strong, and that is the the most important aspect
1: of living in victory is to have that daily life with God. You mention a devotional life, and I would just assume, you know, myself as somebody who is sitting on the other side of the pulpit, uh, that the pastor or leader that I'm looking up to, that they have that, that they're doing that that would at least be my expectation. What have you seen?
2: Well, I saw a poll of pastors not long ago, and the average time they were spending in prayer was, I think, six minutes. And that is just, (laughs) you can't have a meaningful life in God with a six-minute connection with him. I mean, you have to spend time with him. You have to pour out your heart. You have to care enough about the people in your church that you are taking them before the throne of God and interceding on their behalf. When you have that kind of prayer life going, that's where the power comes from, not from just like a six-minute prayer time. That's all I can say.
1: I know you are someone who's in the ministry yourself, What would you point to within the ministry lifestyle, just the daily life that people are living when they are involved in full-time Christian work? What is it that would be one of the dangers that might lead someone into sexual sin? One of the challenges
2: that pastors have is that there is a lot of demand on their time. I mean, you have people pulling you from every direction. You have meetings you're supposed to go to, sermons to prepare Bible studies. There's just so much going on in the life of the typical pastor. I was asked to speak to a pastor's group one time on the subject, why do so many of our pastors fall into sexual sin? And I made a statement during that conference. I said, in all the years that I've been ministering to people in sexual sin, including many, many pastors, I have never once had to help a Mary. But I've had to help many Marthas in that time, you know, and part of it is just the nature of the beast. It's hard for pastors, but, you know, there's just I guess there's a place where we have to come to where we say this far and no further, because my life with God has to stay intact or I'm not going to do any good for anybody.
1: Okay, so I hear what you're saying just about the pace of a leader's life. Is there anything else you could mention that might be something leaders want to watch out for?
2: Well, another real challenge for pastors is just discouragement. Ministry can be very discouraging because you're trying to elevate people's mindsets and to motivate them to uh, set their sights on the things of God. And just there's a lot of people in churches that are not interested you know, they want to just come in Sunday morning and make their appearance and then kind of forget about God the rest of the week. And that can be very discouraging for a pastor. And discouragement is one of those human emotions that the enemy is very adept at using to um, drain a pastor's resolve to keep fighting. And it, it can be very
1: dangerous for sure. Ideally, Problems and pressures like the ones you mentioned should drive us to God, but I mean, we know that doesn't always happen. So, in the case of someone that's drifting towards sexual sin, what have you found tends to be the response pattern of people in ministry when they face a lot of pressures like the ones you talked about?
2: Well, it's just in human nature to want to take it easy in the battle. You know, we want to just slump down. We're tired from working and being stressed out all day, dealing with oftentimes difficult people. And at the end of the day, you just want to, man, I just need to escape. And so you uh, spend the evening watching television or um, getting on the Internet, and you end up just kind of – taking your mind and your heart and handing it over to the enemy and just saying, have at it, (laughs) go ahead and have at it for a while. And, you know, it just has a a very draining effect on your life spiritually. We just all have to be so careful with the way that we live our lives and the opportunities we give the enemy to get in uh, and to drain us of our resolve to walk
1: with God. Well, maybe a good place to end would be to go back to that daily life you were mentioning at the start of the interview, that disciplined life. I know you've tried to set that up here at Pure Life for those of us even on staff who are ministering here, and as you have seen that kind of lifestyle play out here over you know, several decades now, what's been the payoff you've seen for the staff who are working in a daily life of ministry?
2: well we all have our struggles we all have our failures and you know and all those sorts of things but just generally speaking because we're all in the same mindset here at pure life ministries we can help each other and elevate each other and that's one of the challenges also for pastors is because most of the people in their daily life are people who are kind of spiritually under them people they're ministering to and they need people uh, also in the ministry they can fellowship with and, you know, have that meaningful connection with. And that sort of connection with godly people is a real help to you when you're in the ministry. There's no doubt about that. But unfortunately, a lot of pastors don't reach out and they just kind of end up being a little island by themselves and they can just become very vulnerable to the enemy's devices. You know, the bottom line, Brooks, is that the Lord has given us the tools that we need to live a victorious life. And that life with God just has to be something that means enough to us that we are going to fight for it. And, you know, all I can say is it's worth fighting for. It's worth the struggle. It's worth maintaining. It means everything to us. It really does.
1: Obviously, in addition to their own spiritual battles, people in leadership today have to help everyone else in their church grapple with this sexual sin issue. And in an effort to help them do just that, we've done a couple of other recent podcasts that I'd encourage you to check out, episodes 326 and 328. But for leaders and anyone else who's listening, I'd also like to remind you again to come back for our next podcast, where we'll continue this discussion about helping those leaders who are dealing with sexual sin themselves. And really, to finish up today, I'm just thinking back to something Joe said earlier in his interview when he reflected on his own struggle as a pastor. It's never too late, and we don't have to do this ourselves. Really, that goes for anyone who's struggling with this issue. We at Pure Life Ministries want you to know you're not alone, and you are not beyond the power of God. Well, that's it for the show today. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
0: Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.